0: Welcome to Marksman a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host today and so glad you've joined the podcast, joined the conversation and want to welcome all you men and you know whether you're a follower of Christ or you're just kind of uh, trying to find out, hey, what is what is being being a Christian all about? Is it just a ticket to heaven? Well, let me answer that right off the bat. No, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's a brand new life. It's, it's truly and literally the miraculous new birth that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you receive his favor and his forgiveness, then you are made a brand new man. You're made a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And a journey of discovery is before you. An adventure of a lifetime is before you, an adventure that will go on through the ages of... To come, and yes, you'll live forever with Christ in God, in the family of God, doing what God has planned for His family throughout the ages. So it is about an eternal plan, but it starts, eternal life starts the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you give your life back to God, the moment you receive what He did on the cross, in laying his life down, paying the price that my sin and your sin deserved, because God is just. And the cross teaches us that God is just, but it also teaches us that God is merciful. So the cross is all about favor and forgiveness. It's all about justice and mercy. And so I want to welcome you to the program today. We've been on a journey here on Marksman, and we've been going through the Hall of Faith, You could say the Hall of Fame, God's Hall of Fame of faith. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. And we've been talking about different men all through this this book of Hebrews 11, this chapter of Hebrews 11, where God highlights the different men who, by faith, did certain things, by faith walked with God. And we talked about Enoch. We talked about Abel. We talked about Noah. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Isaac. We talked about Jacob. (laughs) We've talked about all these men, men that Jesus would have looked at in the Scriptures and found himself. And I pray that as we go through this, it's not just a Bible study. It's not just a lecture. I pray that you find yourself. I pray that you find who God wants you to be. I pray that you discover something about God and something about yourself as we go through this study. That's That's been my prayer over this podcast. That's been my prayer over this conversation as we go through the Hall of Fame of faith, that we find out what Jesus discovered about himself, who, what his life become, and what your life can become as we go through this study. And we find ourselves now in Hebrews 11, 22, where it references what uh, Joseph did by faith. Uh, Joseph, of course, is the son of Israel, one of the 12 sons of Israel. Israel was formerly named Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God one night, actually wrestled with an angel. Um, but that angel then, as a as the angel of the Lord, um, a lot of theological debate about all that. We won't get in the weeds there. But the uh, point is, that angel blessed Jacob and changed his name from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means prince with God. And that new birth I just referenced, that's exactly what happens to you and I. We come out of darkness into light. We come out of death and selfishness, being deceivers and liars and just surviving to coming into the light of God's kingdom and we become a prince with God. So that that's who Israel is. Now Israel had twelve sons. And one of those sons that he had eventually it's quite a journey. It's quite a journey that that uh that happens with uh, with Israel, and we, we got into that in previous discussions. If you missed any of these podcasts, you can go back in the Marksman feed and you can pick them up. They're all labeled for you as we talk about the different ones. We had three episodes on Jacob alone, Jacob and Israel uh, alone. So you can learn a lot of these things if if you just go back and pick up part one, two, and three of, of Jacob. Uh, Here on Marksman. But we're going to move forward now in Joseph. Those of you that have been on the journey, we're going to go further now into part two of Joseph. And we're going to see about favor and forgiveness. That's what we learned when when Joseph prophesied and said, God's going to visit you. You're going to come out of Egypt. But when you come out, make sure you take my bones with you. And we talked a little bit about what that meant last week that, you know, obviously the bones were that was his uh, burial place. You know, don't don't leave me buried in the world, in the world system. Take me with you to the promised land. How many know being in Christ is the promised land? That's the territory that we get to live in. We get to live in Christ. Christ. Philemon 6 says, I love it in the Lawbach translation, it says, I pray that everyone who meets you would catch your faith and learn how wonderful it is to live in Christ Jesus. The territory, we might say, of living in Christ Jesus. I pray that everyone who meets you would catch your faith and learn how wonderful it is to live in Christ Jesus. And so, being in Christ is being in a new territory, and that's what Joseph was referencing when you come out of Egypt. Man, take my bones with you into the new territory of promise, a land of milk and honey, a land that flows with abundance, a land that is not a land of survival, a land that is a land of provision and promise and prosperity. Amen. And that, of course, is a prophetic image of us coming into the new territory of living in Christ Jesus, living in the light, living in the truth, living in love. And that's, men, where we want to take our marriages, that's where we want to take our families, that's where we want to take ourselves, and and the life we live in whatever mountain of influence you work in, we want to take that truth into that mountain. We want to establish the kingdom of God in every mountain of influence of culture. So no matter where you're working, don't just go to work, you be sent You're sent forth by the Holy Ghost into that place. So live on purpose. Live like an apostle sent one. You are sent to work. You're not just going to work to make a paycheck, to pay some bills. You're being sent forth by the Holy Ghost to be a man or you know, a man of God, a man of purpose, a man who understands what life's about and why we're on this earth and why we're on this planet and why we're in this generation. So live with that purpose. And so as we talk about Joseph, he had his, his prophecy, take my bones with you. So he wasn't just talking about, get my bones out of here. How many know what was in Joseph, how he thought needed to be in them? There's a scripture that says this in uh, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How we think is so important. And how Joseph learned to think. First, he had to learn to think favored. And that's what the coat of many colors was that his father Israel gave him. Because when you look at the story, Israel had a lot of children. He had, we had 12, ultimately. But only two of those children were with the wife that he chose, Rachel. Um, all the others were with Leah and the different uh, handmaidens of, of Rachel and Leah and Leah herself. And so then – but with, with Rachel, the first child he had with the wife he wanted – was Joseph so that first child that he had with with her was clearly his favored child. And you might say, well that's not right. He shouldn't be favoring. Well that's what happened. He favored him. And he made a coat of many colors and that favor that he showed Joseph made his other sons jealous. You say that's not right, that's not godly, that's not Okay, hey, what what are we learning in this discussion? That God's bigger than our mistakes that God truly can work all things together for good if we just understand the power of favor and forgiveness, if we just learn the power of God's redemptive love, if we can just get a redemptive revelation of God, Proverbs 29, 18, my people perish because they don't have... A redemptive revelation of God, Proverbs 29, 18, and the Amplified. So let's get a redemptive revelation of God. Let's follow this whole story through with Joseph. So here he is receiving the coat of many colors. He's favored because of that coat, but he's also rejected and persecuted and despised because of that favor. Not everybody's going to be happy if you walk in favor because people are going to want what you have. People are going to be mad that they didn't get what you got. You know, you get a new car, not everybody's going to be happy about it. You get a new home, not everybody's going to be happy about it. You live happy. (laughs) You live happy and joyful 24-7, not everybody's going to be happy about it. You walk in the favor of God and you wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. And people are going to go, you're not living the life I'm living. Well, see, they don't know what trouble you might have. You're just choosing to believe God. You're just choosing to focus on Christ. You're just choosing to say, hey, this life isn't about me. It's about Christ in me. So some people may not get it, the fact that you live in consistent joy and consistent peace in the territory called in Christ Jesus. It might make those who want to be miserable just mad and envious and angry. And they might persecute you. They might resist you. But man, don't stop living for Jesus. Don't stop living in Christ. Don't let go of your joy. Don't let go of your peace. Don't let go of your focus. Your family needs it. Your marriage needs it. And those that you're doing life with need to see it. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And then, of course, one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so these these bones that they were to carry out weren't just a heritage issue, a legacy issue. It wasn't just about the framework and the skeleton, but it was how Joseph lived, how he thought, what he learned in his lifetime. He was saying, you're going to need that to possess that land God promised you. He's going to take you out of Egypt, but you're going to need how I think to be in you. You're going to have to know that God is with you. God is for you. Because here's what you find out in Numbers chapter 14. In Numbers chapter 14, that generation finally stands before the promised land and they're ready to go in. But they refuse to go in because when they went in and spied out the land, they saw that there were giants in the land. There was going to be opposition into this land that flowed with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes so big, it took two men to carry that cluster on a staff, a pole carried by two men. I mean, it was an abundant land. It was a land that flowed truly with milk and honey. In other words, it was a land that had gardens already planted, farms already working. You know, It was a land, houses already built, cities already built, and God was saying, it's your land, go take it. (laughs) praise god and they they thought well okay and they went in there and they saw all the opposition they saw the giants there and they came back and said we can't we're like grasshoppers in their sight and that wasn't even true that was not even true you know why because later on the generation that did go in joshua took the children of Israel in remember they went into the city of Jericho and Rahab Rahab said man we have been fearing you we heard about what God did delivering you from Egypt we heard about the miracles that God did bringing you out of Egypt we heard about the splitting of the Red Sea we heard about the drowning of the Egyptians and we were afraid you were going to come and take our city So actually, God had already put dread on the people of the promised land. God has already put his fear on those people, and he was wanting to march his family right in. But in Numbers 14, we find out they would not believe that God delighted in them. They would not believe that God's favor on their life was greater than any rejection and persecution persecution or resistance they might face. And that's what Joseph learned. Because see, Joseph's life was not just a, a bed of roses. Joseph's life was not just the rolling out of the red carpet so that his dream would be fulfilled. In fact, one of my favorite verses is Psalms 105, verse 19. I want you to turn there if you have a Bible. And if you don't, just listen on. But Psalm 105 and verse 19, this references, of course, the Some of the things we're talking about, but Psalm 105 and verse 19, it says this, until the time that his word, this is talking about Joseph, the word Joseph got, the dream he was given. You know, and you have to read Genesis 37 to see the dream. But what the dream simply was is that in the dream he saw his stalk of wheat standing up and all the other wheat bowing down meaning that, you know, he was going to have his, his brothers bow down to him, that people were going to bow before him, and he, that even in the, the stars and the moon, you know, he was the sun and the, the stars were going to bow down to him. And, uh, of course, that made his brothers mad. They said, we'll never bow before you. And they eventually <laughs> threw his life away. They, they were going to murder him, but they decided not to, and they just threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery and got rid of him. But then he went into the process with God, of learning that favor is going to have to learn forgiveness. And that's what Joseph eventually did, and we'll read about that in just a minute, Genesis 45. But here's what it says, Psalm 105, 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. So he was under this test Period, this this trying period. And there's a lot of tests that Joseph went through. Now, this is not original to me. I learned this years ago from Joseph. Uh, I believe his name was Joseph Moore. Yeah, Joseph Morris. He's a pastor down in uh, in uh, Texas. But he talked about the different tests, the character tests that Joseph had to go through. And I want you to consider these. There was the pride test course, given the dream, showing a great destiny. You can get into pride about that. Then there was the pit test. They threw his life away. He was rejected. He was misunderstood. His life went from good to bad. It went the wrong direction. The pit test. Then there was the palace test. You know, he went to Potiphar's house. Things are getting better. Yeah, he's still a slave, but now he's the head of a household. He's in a palace. He's, he's got some, some prosperity now. He's still a slave, but at least he's in a palace. Things are kind of starting to look up again. But then he had to pass the purity test. Potiphar's wife got the hots for him. He had to, he had to have that purity worked in him, and, and he did. And he fled from her when she made a move on him, wanting him to sleep with her. So there's the purity test. And then, of course, because of that, he was lied upon. We're getting a brief overview here, a flyover of the life of Joseph as we look at these character tests, the pride test, the pit test, the palace test, the purity test, and then he gets thrown into prison. His wife, Potiphar's wife, lies about Joseph and actually says, no, he, he tried to rape me. <laughs> the fact was she was basically trying to rape him, but Joseph in his purity fled And his coat was left behind. And she said, see, he tried to sleep with me. So Potiphar got mad, threw him into prison. So now he's been thrown away again. He's not just in a pit, he's in a prison. And then he's got the prophetic test. He's still got that prophet, that prophecy, that dream. But also, he's in prison now, and the butler and the baker who formerly were in the, you know, the king's court, um, they get thrown in prison, and God gives them dreams. And so Joseph, who was given a dream, is now given the, the blessing of interpreting their dreams. And he interprets the dream of the butler and the baker, and he says, Well, uh, butler, you're going to be restored. Your dream interpretation is this. You're going to be restored. You're going to serve the king once again. But the baker, yeah, you're going to be restored, but your head's going to be cut off. Whew, whoa. <laughs> so he's able to interpret the dreams. He's able to give not only the prophecy that is going to bless and encourage and strengthen, but he's able to give the hard word, too. That's a prophetic test. Because, I mean, not every prophecy is there just to pat you on the back. Sometimes a prophetic word comes to to yank your chain, to get you right, to bring conviction to bring change, to warn you of things. And so the prophetic test was to make sure that we don't just use dreams and visions and prophecy just to uh, tell everybody you're going to have a wonderful life and you're going to shake nations and you're going to preach to millions and, and on and on. we got to make sure that we also, through the flow of the prophetic flow of, of God's Word, we also bring the warnings that need to be brought. So that's a prophetic test. Then the power test. You know he uh, he then of course was raised to power. I mean he he eventually interpreted the dream that Pharaoh had about the seven years of of uh, of abundance followed by seven years of famine. He interprets the dream. I mean God uses dreams. God speaks in dreams. It's one of the great lessons of the life of Joseph that God comes to us in the night watch and speaks to us and gives dreams. And so he interprets the the dream of Pharaoh, and, and because Pharaoh says, well, God clearly gave you the wisdom of what this means, he'll surely want to use you to oversee the seven years of plenty so that we can sustain through the seven years of famine. And so then Joseph is raised up from the prison, and he's now made second in command, second in command under Pharaoh. And so now His brothers who threw his life away, his brothers that way back were mad at his dream, threw him in the pit, hated him, despised him, wanted him out of their life. So let's go through these tests, the pride test, the pit test, the palace test, the purity test, the prison test, a prophetic test. Now we're at the power test. He's in a place of power. And then, of course, the prosperity test. He's in a place of prosperity. I mean, under Pharaoh, he's second in command. He's living the best. He's driving the best. But how many know you can be rich and righteous? You don't have to let riches corrupt you. You don't have to let power and influence corrupt you. I mean, Jesus is the Lamb of God. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that when the wrath of God comes forth, they're going to try to hide from the wrath of the Lamb. You say, well, I thought he's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is, but he's the Lamb of God. See, when Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple and he grabbed the whip, people love to quote that so they can justify their anger (laughs) and their, whatever, rudeness. No, no. He grabbed a whip and drove them out because in just days later, he's going to be on a cross dying for them. So if we're going to grab a whip and just start setting everybody straight, let's make sure we're willing to die for them. Because that's where Jesus come from in his anger. He wasn't just done wrong by them, irritated by them, frustrated by them. It wasn't some selfish place that his anger came from. God does get angry. Jesus did get angry. But he was not in sin, and it was not about selfishness. No, he was bringing forth the righteous judgment of God. He was trying to shake hearts, hearts that were so rock hard they needed to be shaken. And so here is the power test. You're going to use your power for you. You're going to use your power for the kingdom, your influence. You hear me reference all the time the mountains of influence. You know, I think it was Lance who came up with... Or maybe it was him, maybe it was someone else. But many people have heard about the mountains of influence, you know, that if we're going to bring Christ and his kingdom into really a place of of change in our world, then we need to get into the mountains of influence. We need to take Christ into government, into media, into entertainment, into education, into the, the world of commerce and business. We need to take Christ into the mountain of influence of family, which is what we are doing here at Family Mission. We're trying to take that mountain of influence of family and bring it back to God's original intent because family is the framework for all eternity. And so there's different mountains of influence. And so what are you going to do with the power God gives you? What are you going to do with the prosperity God gives you? These are tests Joseph had to learn, the prosperity test, the pardon test. Because ultimately, and I want us to go now to Genesis forty five. I referenced it earlier. Let's go to Genesis chapter forty five as we work towards a close of today's conversation. Praise God. You know, if you if you get to a place where you can kind of write those down, I encourage you to write those down because these are character tests as men we got to be willing to face. We got to know that we will be tested. We will be tested. We will be tested by life. We'll be tested in our marriage. We'll be tested in our home. We'll be tested in our finances. We'll be tested because of the world we live in and the influences of our world. We're going to be tested uh, by what we choose to entertain ourselves with, what we choose to read, what we choose to watch, what we choose to listen to. And then you have the world of the Internet. I mean, you have the World Wide Web. I mean, you're going to be tested there. You're going to be tested in social media. You're going to be tested. As men, we will be tested. And like Joseph, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, let's go from the pit to the palace. (laughs) Not without a test and not without passing the test. And here's the good news. If you fail a test, you get to take it again. You get to take it again and again and again until you win. But let's not make a determination. I'm going to take it six times Let's just take it once. Let's make a determination, men. I know I'm going to be tested, but I'm going to pass the test. Christ is in me to help me pass the test. Christ is in me to empower me to make the right choice, to make the right decision, to stay pure, to stay faithful, to stay honest, to stay integrous, to stay faithful. So these tests, the pride test, Christ is in me to stay humble. The pit test test. Though I'm rejected, Christ has accepted me. The palace test. Christ is in me to bring me into a new life of dominion and authority. And even when I'm tested and tempted, I'm going to remain pure. I'm going to keep my eyes pure. I'm going to keep my mind pure. I'm going to keep my ears pure. I'm going to keep my hands pure. I'm going to keep my feet pure. Where I go... The prison test, when every th- life seems to have you locked down, you know that the Word of God is not locked down. The prophetic test, knowing that sometimes prophetically you got to give not only the good word, you got to give the hard word. Sometimes we have to bring not only encouragement to our families, we've got to bring correction. But we've got to bring it from a right place, not just from a frustrated, angry, selfish place. Sometimes we have to bring, you know, a a word of correction. And we've got to be willing to receive correction. That's something that our wives need to see us is receiving correction. That's something our children need to see is that my dad knows how to receive correction. It's one of the greatest lessons I can teach my sons. I got sons. I mean, if I had daughters, I'd teach them. But I got two sons. So it's one of the greatest things that I teach as a father. I teach my sons how to repent, how to receive correction, that I keep myself in submission to authority, that I got people in my life that can tell me no. And I keep myself surrendered and submitted to the Word of God and to Christ as King and Lord. And that because of that, there's going to come some correction in my life. And so that when I bring correction they can see that it's because I'm a man under authority. I've been corrected. I've made adjustments. I've repented. I've changed. And therefore, I can lead in marriage. I can lead in my home. And they'll respect that, and they'll honor that. So there's the power test. There's the prosperity test. But then there comes the pardon test and the purpose test. And, of course, we're... We're just about out of time here on our conversation today, and I, and I don't want to really leave it as a cliffhanger. But unfortunately, it's I don't want to get something started we can't just really dig into. So we are going to have to pick this up next week. It'll be our final episode, Episode 3, here on The Life of Joseph. Uh, I want to thank you for being a part of today's conversation. I want to pray for you. I, we've brought up some things, and uh, I want to pray for you today. And I'd love to pray specifically for you. If you have prayer requests, you can email me at Ministries at gmail.com. Send me your specific prayer request. I'll be praying for you. My family will be praying for you. But as a man, if you want it confidential, I'll be praying for you, just man to man. Just email me at Spellmanministries at Gmail. It's my personal. I get it personally. Ministries at Gmail. Um, I want to be praying for you, but I want to pray for you before we sign off here today. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. I thank you for the faithfulness that we learn from Him and that we can receive from Him and the grace and the peace that is multiplied through our knowledge of Christ And I want to pray for every man listening to me today who's joining the conversation, joining the podcast, because like Joseph, our life, we go through tests, pride tests, pit tests, palace tests, prosperity tests, prison tests, prophetic tests, power tests, pardon tests, tests regarding our purpose. All these tests that Joseph had to go through, we have to go through. And I pray right now for a supernatural grace to come upon them. And I pray if if there's any way that I can serve them, if I can help them, I pray that they'll reach out to me via email so that I can be in connection with them and begin to to help and maybe mentor anyone who would desire it. Father, in Jesus' name, I I put myself out there to to not only just be in prayer generally for them, I want to be there relationally for anyone that I can and who desires it because we need each other. We need to walk together as men. We need to be strengthened as husbands. We need to be strengthened as fathers. We need to be strengthened as men of God in a perverse and a crooked generation that we shine as lights. So I pray over every man, even every boy, young man listening to me, and I pray, Father, for grace to be multiplied to them, for wisdom to be multiplied to them, that they would see the wisdom of God They would see what you see about them, and that they would receive the help of the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them into all truth. And I pray this for them in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So again, I want to thank you for being a part of Marksman. I want to thank you for joining the conversation. It's awesome to be a community of men, to be a a fellowship, a brotherhood. And again, I want to hear from you. Email me, SpelmanMinistries at gmail.com. Reach out. I'm praying for you. I'm believing with you. No matter what test you're going through, no matter what trials you're going through, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. And He's with you and He's for you.